As our time to leave Afghanistan draws near, so does the deadline for infrastructure. Hey girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an I and this is Did You Hear the News? First, let me start off by discussing Afghanistan. I'm not going to take a long time talking about this on this episode because on the pod last week, I basically went in depth about what was going on, what I feel about it, and all of that jazz. Of course, this week, new things occurred. It was a leading story in the news, Um, but I feel like I got a little more insight. Once again, as I mentioned last week, I'm not a foreign policy uh, expert, advisor. (laughs) I can't even begin to understand what goes into the types of decisions that were made and will continue to be made in the days to come. I can only offer uh, outside insight onto what it looks like. Uh, However, I will say after reflecting for about a week or so and looking at what's going on, my thoughts have changed a little bit. Do I feel like things probably could have been done better? Yes. However, do I feel like some of this was inevitable? Possibly. Let me explain. So this week... Uh, The Biden administration continued to do evacuations and they actually were able to move out tens of thousands of people. Uh, I think in like the first seven days, they were able to move out like at least 70,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, in the periods of 24 hours, they were moving out tens of thousands of people. So once again... Let's just take a minute to say how commendable that is. Um, I I think what has been a driving force in everyone back home like me who's not a policy advisor or expert on, as far as foreign politics goes is that the media really jazzed it up, right? If we were to be over here minding our business and we heard per se, okay, like it's getting crazy in Afghanistan. There are tons of people there that are trying to get out. We'd be like, oh no, that sucks. Maybe we should try to help if we can. But then the media puts out these images of people hanging on the sides of planes. And once again, while that stuff did happen and while it, was terrible and it was heartbreaking like it's those images seeing those over and over again that make you think oh my god like it's all destruction and chaos once again i'm not saying it wasn't a chaotic scene it was very chaotic however i think it was when i realized that or when i was watching i think one of the press conferences with jen Saki 
who has really been getting her flowers lately. And Peter Ducey said, or him or another one of the reporters, but most likely him, uh, basically said that the U.S. abandoned or stranded all of these people. And Jen had to be like, hold up. Like, I'm going to have to call you out on that because we did not strand people, right? As soon as chaos broke out, we started doing what we needed to do to get people back. Here's the thing about Afghanistan, okay? As I mentioned last week, the former president made a deal with the Taliban that our troops were supposed to be out in May. Now, the current president did move that back to, I think at first he mentioned September 11th, but he gave a firm date of August 31st. The Taliban did not like that either, but it is what it was. They both looked at it. They both made the calculation that there was really no reason for us to still be there. One of them chose an earlier date. The other one pushed it back just a little bit. Totally understandable. Here's the issue, though, that makes it seem as if America just stranded people. Um, I think it's the fact that, once again, when they closed down the Air Force base and there was only really one way to get in or out, of uh Kabul that that's what looks bad on this administration and I can understand that but I think also having the knowledge that it wasn't like the people there especially Americans weren't aware of the threat right from my understanding these people were getting communications like month after month, especially in May, like you need to start doing what you need to do to get out. You need to make a plan. Now, once again, they can't force people to leave, right? Some of these people might be Americans but have family in Afghanistan. Some of these people might be from Afghanistan but have green cards in America. Some of these people are working because they're diplomats. Like all of these things are to be considered. However, these same people were given the same communications that they need to move out. Like you need to start putting your plan together to leave, right? They did not. Once again, for various reasons, they didn't leave. I'm not blaming them for that. Once again, I don't know what their thought process was or what they were seeing on the ground that made them feel comfortable not leaving even after they had warnings to do so. I can't speak to that. But I'm going to make the assumption that they probably felt just like our administration, our intelligence teams felt that they had more time. Unfortunately, they did not. As I mentioned last week, there were many things that contributed to the Taliban taking over as easily as they did, even though no one thought that that would happen. They thought they would take over but they thought it would take at least like a month and a half to do so. It happened basically in weeks, right? No one assumed that the leadership would dip. No one assumed that the army wouldn't fight. There was the assumption that we've given them the tools, we've given them the training. 
they can hold off for some time. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And so, I'm not saying I don't blame this administration. I'm saying that all the moving pieces that fell apart can't be blamed on this administration. Some of them were started prior. Some of them happened on Joe Biden's watch. Once again, I think he made the best decision for the information he had. And no one expected it to happen like it did. So, this week, he met with the G7, you know, Germany and UK and all those guys. And apparently, they were going to pressure him. He was expecting them to pressure him into extending the deadline. Because at this point, everyone's going, well, what about the not only the American citizens, but those uh, citizens with the SIV? Those are the ones that like have the special... Uh, visas or whatnot who helped Americans like what about all these people there's no way we can get them all out by uh, the August 31st date so he was expected to get some pushback on that I don't know what went on in that meeting I know that when he came out he said we're not changing the date <laughs> the date is set um, and you know tomorrow Anthony Blinken will come out and let you know let us know how many Americans are over there um, the next day he did come out. I think he said there were like 1,500 and then it moved down to, I think, 500 who were over there who wanted to come back to the U.S., but I guess were finding or having issues getting into the airport. Now, this is on top of the fact that the United States is well aware that at this current moment, the Taliban is chilling let's put it that way they're being as chill as possible but the understanding is is the closer we get to that day if it looks like we're not leaving we don't know what to expect the the point of the matter is that this is going as easy as it is because the taliban aren't acting the fool right so we have to take advantage of the time that we have while we have it then to add to all of that, so we have the Taliban taking over, the people in the sense panicking because they didn't expect it to happen so soon, then crowding the airport because it's the only place to basically get out of, and then, you know, people so desperate that they're running on the tarmac, they're jumping on planes you know two people passed away after they fell from planes and then you have the pictures in the video of that and then you have the uproars and it's where's joe biden why is he sleeping on this when i don't understand why i know we had a president before who tweeted everything but in a, a actual emergency i don't know why y'all would think the first thing joe biden would do is pick up his phone or and tweet and y'all know he don't run his account so like why do you think the first thing that joe biden would do would be to reach out to his media team and say hey tweet about this like that's not what he's going to do he's going to probably actually be getting briefed on it and trying to make moves i don't know i know that the last four years are really strange but i don't know what you guys really think that normal regular presidents who are competent do but anyways so, 
once again, like I said, with the 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 pictures and the videos and the media, it became a huge deal for everyone sitting at home. Where's Joe Biden? What's he doing? Why is their team not doing this? Why are they not doing that? Okay, totally understand. But once again, like I said, there are other things that are occurring. And now we have this threat from ISIS-K. So ISIS-K is like, of course, like a, a split off group from ISIS. They are out of somewhere that begins with the K, which is why they're called ISIS-K. It's not like they're just going through the letters, which your former president said will be at ISIS-Z. That's not how it works unless they're from someplace that begins with the Z. I don't know, but that's not how it works in this situation. Just like COVID-19 wasn't the 19th COVID. It was the year that it was, you know, it emerged. Anyway, so... There's this threat now from ISIS-K. And so we saw this week that two suicide bombers from ISIS-K basically set themselves off and 13 members of the military were killed. Unfortunately, that's terrible. That's heartbreaking. Really hate that that happened. But what seems so totally illogical is for people now calling for the resignation of President Biden because of what suicide bombers did. That would be like asking President Bush to resign because 9-11 happened. Like, I, I get we want to blame Joe Biden for what's going on in Afghanistan, and I get that he takes responsibility but once again, there are a lot of things going on over there that just are beyond really any of our control, even the Taliban. Apparently, ISIS-K is like an adversary group. Like, they're not cool. They're actually not, like, they're against them. So it's like, now on top of that, we have this other group who don't give a F about the Taliban or the U.S. Like, they, they don't care. So it's like, there's just a lot of things that are going on over there on the ground that we don't see, we don't understand. And we, I just feel like we can't wholly blame this administration. Now, once again, like I said last week, I felt like there's probably some things they could have thought through better. They said they thought of every contingency plan. But to me, if you think of every contingency plan, you need to think about what would happen if the Taliban actually came into power today. But I guess that just because they weren't expecting that, they didn't have the intelligence to say that that was possible. That's not something they planned for. But I'm not going to not give them the props for springing into action as soon as they can. And when they saw that there was so much chaos at that airport, making sure that they sent the troops there to get that airport under control and then started moving out people as fast and as rapidly and as, as many as they could. Like I'm going to give them the props for that because I said it last week and as soon as I finish recording this podcast, I get on Twitter and I see proof of it. I do not believe the former president and his administration would have done this because once again, they were terrible. And number one, Muslim ban. Yeah, the same guy who brought you Muslim ban. I can't, I you can't force me to believe that he would have fought as quickly to get all of these people out of Afghanistan, especially the Afghans. So it was just, 
It's just really interesting to see people say Trump would never have done this when it's exactly what he did to the Kurds in Syria, totally just left them behind to fend for themselves. It's basically what he did when he did his Muslim ban. And then we find out that his administration, Stephen Miller, the one who was driving it, made sure that they did whatever they could to slow down the SI visa SIV visa application. So the, for those people who did help the United States and the military and knew that they needed to get out, whether it was May 1st or, you know, August 31st, those people have been trying to come to America for the longest. And apparently during his four year tenure, his administration did everything that they could to slow down that process at every point that they could. Stephen Miller was reported to be in meetings saying disgusting, xenophobic things about these people. And then you have the same Republicans who are saying this is all Joe Biden's fault also turning a heel to say, but we can't let these people in our country. They're terrorists and this, that, and the third. And then Fox News is running with it. And then the Republicans have to double down, triple down on it again. Because if Fox News says it and they know that their rabid base who watches Fox News picks up on it, then they also have to push it too because that's how they get support. I know that y'all think we're crazy, but we're not crazy. We see y'all. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So for any of y'all to be saying that, this would have never happened under former administration. I'm not going to say never. Would I? Do I expect it to have gone better under them then? No, I don't expect that either. But I do expect that it would have been a mess regardless. Just like Joe Biden said, I don't expect that it would have been any better. I expect that it would have been a mess. Just it happened sooner because it wasn't expected. And that's how I feel. It, at any time that the Taliban would have taken over Kabul, I think there would have been chaos at the airport because people are, would fight to get out because people are at this point, they're like, now we, everything has fallen. We have to get out of here. I just, I said, I weren't going to talk in this a long time, but I just like this whole thing is crazy because there's just so many moving parts. Like imagine being in a country and, you know, you already know there's a threat, like the Taliban have been a threat. They were in control back in like 2001 before this whole thing started. So you know that there's a threat and a possibility that they could come and take over. But to actually have your government just kind of like skip out, apparently the 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 government or like the members of the army were also making deals with the Taliban to be like, listen, just don't kill us. Like, take all the weapons, take all the stuff here, just have it. Like, so it's just like, what what could happen for the normal people there who are desperate? What else would they have done? Whether it happened sooner or later? Like, it, I just, I really feel like it would have been the same thing. Um, I just think, I just think nobody really expected, even the people there. I don't think any of them expected the Taliban to take over as fast and as easily as they did. And I don't think that's Joe Biden's fault. Like, I don't think him pulling out troops, 
actually is is the reason that that happened. I just think that they had a little more faith in that government than they probably should have. And it is what it is. I said last week, we're, we're not a nation building state. We wanted them to have a Western government. And apparently these there has never really been a peace in Afghanistan. There's always been warring tribes going against each other. And for us to think we could just come over and just change that in 20 years and bleed money into that. I think that was just really arrogant of the United States. So as of, I think, Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, they had like 36 hours to basically do evacuations. And then at that point, the military needs the time to pack it up and get out. They're going to be out by the 31st, which I think is Tuesday. So I, once again, I know that they're doing as many evacuations as they can, even after, you know, those bombs went off and all of that. They're still trying to get out as many people as they can. It's just there are so many and they're, they're not even talking about, you know, just the SIVs. There are some refugees, too. And. United States needs to be ready to take them in instead of having, you know, senators and congressmen saying, no, they can't come here. They're terrorists. Like, we're going to Tucker Carlson talking about some that we invaded them. Now they're going to invade us. Like, anyways, so that's it with Afghanistan. Like I said, not not a huge amount of difference, but to me, I feel like my perspective has changed based on the things that I have seen during this past week. Um, and after the initial shock of, you know, the reporting and the images we saw, and after you have some time to think on things, I just feel like parts of what I feel have changed. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Next, I will discuss with you <sighs> infrastructure and the reconciliation plan. So, as you know, about two, three weeks ago, the infrastructure bill that was bipartisan was passed in the Senate and went to the House. And I told you then it was going to be some mess because you have progressives who feel like that was too slim so we have absolutely got to do reconciliation and then you have moderates who are like okay sure but we want to get this infrastructure bill passed as soon as possible so you basically saw a few moderates i think about eight moderates be like hey here's the thing we're not going to vote for reconciliation if you don't immediately pass this infrastructure bill. And I told y'all then that I was like, Nancy knows what she's doing. I trust her to do her job because I think she's competent. And so I wasn't super duper worried, but I was like, how would this, like, how could this go? Um, so when they came back, on Monday, I think they came back in the evening on Monday and everyone was kind of expecting them to have it figured out by Monday night. They did not. It went on into Tuesday. Of course, the news was like, well, no, why would it take so long for y'all? And it's like, they just came back like after five, I feel like. So the fact that you thought by eight o'clock, they was going to have a deal is kind of interesting. But anyways, so the moderates were like, we'll, we'll support it as long as you put a set date for a vote. Now, that doesn't mean <laughs> that the progressives will vote for it. 
but basically that's what it took for them to reach a deal so that's what they landed on so there is going to be i think it's september 27th is the day that they focus on so at that point it's like okay we will vote for moving the reconciliation process forward but we want you to know that whatever happens with this reconciliation we want to be voting on it by the 27th and then i guess the progressives are like well we want you to know that whatever happens with this infrastructure bill come to 27th if there doesn't look like there's any promises going on with reconciliation we will not vote for this so <laughs> i do not envy nancy at all right now I know that she's having to deal with like such wide factions in her party. Like I say this all the time, but Republicans like to say they're a big tent. And for them, that means like Republicans and then like QAnon. But for Democrats to be a big tent, they have progressives and then they have moderates and then they have centrists like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who like tap dance on the line of could they be Republican? Maybe. You never know. So it's like you have to make sure that whatever you have in the Senate, Bernie Sanders can agree and Joe Manchin can agree because they're the farthest on the two sides, right? And that's the same in the House. What the AOC and uh, Cory Bush and Ilhan Omar and all of them, what they'll accept will have to also be what the moderate side or the centrist side will accept as well. So she has gotten that to where it needs to be right now. You still have Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema basically saying they can't vote for that much money. I feel like if you come with a plan that says here's $3.5 trillion and here's how it's going to get paid for and it doesn't include raising taxes on people making less than $400, then what's the issue, right? If, it, if it's going to include, because reconciliation likely will include tax rate hikes, they couldn't get that in the bipartisan infrastructure bill because Republicans refuse to raise taxes on people that actually have money. So if that infrastructure or if that reconciliation bill is going to include raising taxes for the wealthy and things of that nature, then if it's going to be paid for, I feel like Joe Manchin, who has said multiple times, I'm not going to support something that, that we can't pay for. Like I need to know how we're going to pay for it. So if they can put something together that's going to pay for the bill at the same time, I think it would be easier for Joe Manchin. Once again, I don't know what Kirsten Cinema's deal is. I feel like she's just contrarian to be contrarian. I don't know. It's like her base doesn't even care for it. Her constituents don't even like it. So I don't really know who she's playing for besides, I guess, the people who fund her campaigns. That's all I got for you. So that's where we are with those things. The House also passed along party lines because Republicans aren't ever going to do anything that's going to help people. Just forget that, especially when it comes to your rights. I shouldn't say that, but that's how I feel. Um, so along party lines, the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. I talked about this on the pod before. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act are two very different legislations, but I think both are pretty necessary. Um, the For the People Act focuses mostly 
on, I would say like the process of voting and making sure that people have the right to vote, whereas the John Lewis Voting Rights Act would make sure that in places where there is, there's a history of voting rights, discrimination, and all of that stuff, those states, anytime they want to make changes to their voting rights or their voting laws, they have to get pre-clearance from the government. Now, the reason that <laughs> this has to be brought up again in the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is because it was a part of the Voting Rights Act, but the Supreme Court kind of struck it down in Shelby v. Holder, if I'm not mistaken. So the Supreme Court shut that part down, right? And so, because they felt like, you know, there wasn't racism anymore. But anyways, don't don't know where they thought it went, but okay. Um, So they were like, well, this isn't an issue anymore. You don't really need to have this on the book. So they basically struck it down. And so now the John Lewis Voting Rights Act would be Congress's way of reiterating that right once again like i said passed along party lines no republicans voted for it now it goes into the senate (laughs) the idea is that it'll probably be filibustered i think it's just really insane for the senate to not even support the bare bones of you know that these these states have like histories of doing this of disfranchising voters and you won't even basically like accept the law that says like we need to be able to check your voting rights laws because you are not new to this you're true to this like texas historically historically has the like the hardest voting laws and they just passed their even more restrictive voting laws thanks to whatever democrats showed up to allow them to have a quorum and so now you can't even have 24-hour voting you can't have drive-through voting which was very helpful last year especially in harris county which is ginormous and includes Houston. They had 24-hour voting. They had drive-through voting. Remember, they tried to throw almost 117,000 votes out in the middle of the election last year. Remember that? Yeah, that was in Harris County, which we know has, once again, Houston, which you know has a high black population. So it's just like, Tell us you're racist without telling us you're racist. That's just how I feel. So that's where we are with that. And it's so funny to hear Republicans in hearings say, well, we had the highest turnout ever in an election. So what are you talking about? We're restricting voting. And it's like, make the case for us, why don't you? Yeah, you're trying to now restrict voting because you realize with the highest turnout of any election ever, your candidate cannot win. And your next candidate probably won't be able to win either. So you have to find a way to restrict people from voting because you can't have those niggers voting again. I I don't even know how they get up and go to work. Like, I don't even know how they sleep at night. What are you telling me right now? I can't make the argument that you're trying to restrict voting because last time so many people voted. Yeah, like that's the point. So many people voted last time. Why are you trying to restrict them from voting the next? 
Hmm. Anyways, so that's where we are with the House. Um, the Supreme Court also struck down the eviction moratorium that President Biden had put in place. Now, ask me if I'm surprised. I'm absolutely not surprised at all because of the fact that the president had already said that Congress needs to do it because Supreme Court had already struck down his eviction moratorium. So, and they basically said at the time that the CDC does not have the right to extend the moratorium, but because we only have like a month or so left, we'll let it stay in place now. So that's exactly what I expected to happen when he extended it this time because Congress went to the House and nobody wanted to vote on it. So uh, I know Cori Bush has already sent out some tweets and I know she's probably working really hard on the back end, but at this point, the moratorium has been shot down, the expansion at least. And so people are probably already getting evicted. I saw a story on Twitter of some folks in, I think it was Harris County in Houston, or not necessarily Houston, but Harris County, I think it was, in which they were uh, covered by the eviction moratorium and then they applied for relief for rental relief assistance because once again like i said that was a part of the first american rescue plan so if you need help look into it but unfortunately they got the funds but the landlord wouldn't accept them and evicted them anyway now that can happen for a myriad of reasons my guess is probably because they were probably at a lower rate and the landlord probably sees how much he can raise that right now. That rent is going sky high in many a place. And he wanted to raise that rent. That would be my guess. I don't know for sure. They might also be awful tenants. I don't know. But all I know is that they got their assistance money. They tried to pay their landlord. And he was like, no, thank you. So I don't know what Congress is going to do about stuff like that. But hello, the people need help out here. So that's what's going on with them. Then on the other side with the 1-6 committee, they have requested a gang of materials for, I guess, their, their investigation in which they want like phone records of people like in Congress and I guess who were like around the, the Capitol on that day and the former president and they want like, other materials into what whatever other investigations had occurred um before this committee got together so they want all of that information they want to look through it all they want to see what they can see as you know the former president did not take that lying down so easily he basically said that he has executive privilege and I guess he's going to try to use that to prevent them getting information. And when I tell you they want information, they want information on all of the adult kids except for Tiffany. Tiffany's probably like, I've never felt more better being an outsider. They want all the adult kids. They want him. They want Melania's information. 
They want friends of friends, Michael Flynn. Like they want everybody's information. And I say go for it and get it. But you know, he's gonna he's gonna make us think about it. Here's the thing about executive executive privilege. It can be argued that <laughs> the president can't prove that him giving a speech at a rally for his own reelection is part of his executive responsibilities. So it's like at that point, you can't really say executive privilege because you were not, you were not participating in an executive action. Like you weren't, this wasn't for your executive role at all. It was for your personal gain. So apparently it, it probably won't stand up really well in court, but I mean, he can try. Why not? You know, it, why not? If you're going to continue to try and hide everything, I say use all the tools you got at your arsenal, right? Am I right? So that's where they are with that. I feel as if this is just going to go on for so long. At this point, I thought they would have had another hearing by now, but they haven't. I know that they said that they most likely wouldn't be on recess because they would be working. And that's not to say they're not working behind the scenes. I'm absolutely sure that they are. But I feel like it's just taking a long time, which is to be expected, which is to be expected because there's there's a lot to have to look at. And to get all that information, there's a lot they're going to have to go through. Like, they're talking about getting like phone records of like Jim Jordan and all of those guys and McCarthy and people who were participating like you know the fbi had already said that they had looked into phone records of uh, people in and around the capitol on that day but i don't think they ever really told us anything about like if they found anything from like congress people and stuff like that now i think they did recently come out with a report saying that they couldn't prove that there was I guess it was like a plan thing that occurred. And I was like, that's really interesting because you have people that are getting charged with conspiracy. But maybe I maybe they're saying that like they can't plan they can't prove that like it was planned by like the former president or, or his people, which I still think is rather interesting because you had the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas who paid for like buses and stuff for people to come. So I'm not saying that they not looking in the right places. I'm just asking where did they look? That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Listen, put it, give it, leave it to Twitter. Twitter will find out. Never mind. Let me not say that because the last guy tried to leave it to Twitter and we see where that got him. So don't leave it to Twitter. I'm just saying that I know some people on Twitter who can find out things with little information. That's all I'm saying. Either way, best of luck to them. <laughs> um, we already know the Republicans just like don't want anything to do with that anyway. So best of luck to them. And I hope they get the information they need so they can find what they find. Listen, if they can exonerate people, if they can say no, these people like didn't know about it, didn't have no hand in it, all this stuff. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. We just want to know the facts. We just want to know the facts. Speaking of the facts. This week, a report came out about the origins of COVID, and it was a little more of the same, still no proof that 
it had leaked from the lab. Apparently, there's no proof that like the lab knew anything about the COVID outbreak before everybody else. That's apparently what they said. Um, so it's still a lot more of nothing. Um, I did find it interesting that they said like, um, it's interesting that we want to know so fast, like where the animal host is when normally it takes like a, it has taken in the past over a year and some change to actually locate so while we thought we would find it in like 90 days i don't know that's that's what they were saying on the news i've never paid attention to that before i never was like oh no where did sars come from or oh no where did you know swine flu come from or h1n1 whatever so um I'm, i feel like a lot of what's going on with covid is because it Number one is so global and then number two became so political. I think that's why we are really very skeptical of like everything we hear about the virus. At this point, I'm just trying to learn how to live with this virus because I don't think it's going anywhere. It's not nowhere soon at least. Um, I heard on the news the doctor was talking and he was like, it's very likely that COVID is going to be here forever and it it could likely mutate into what our like normal flu is because the 1919 flu is basically the predecessor of what is our modern day flu, right? So there's a chance that it will be the same way. We'll have to live with it, but we'll just have to, you know, do things to mitigate the risk, like take a flu shot and stuff like that. Um, as it mutates, it could mutate into like a lower form. We don't know. It's new. <laughs> We're still learning about it. So that's that on that. Um, once again, I'm going to tell y'all, talk to your doctor. And if they tell you to get the vaccine, if I were you, I'd get it. But that's just me. I can't tell people what to do. I've stopped even trying to tell people what to do. I just try to point them in the direction of information that is actual and factual. Like, I don't even tell them you need to get it because it's, I just try to tell, point them to somebody who knows better than me. So they maybe will believe me. I don't know. Like, at this point, it's like all the experts, all of the experts with sense are telling y'all the same thing, but you're listening to Johnny, who was the class clown who couldn't even pass uh, first biology, let alone second. So, I, I don't know. Anyways, moving right along. Oh, I also want to bring up the fact that the vice president was she had like a southeast asia trip that she was on this week and it was so funny because if y'all are just on twitter like sometimes it gives me such a headache but sometimes all i can do is laugh at people because it's like what are you paying attention to besides fox news everybody was like where well not everybody some people are like where's kamala where's vp well she's not doing anything and it's like she's quite literally in southeast asia and they've been talking about it all week's heavily publicized trip that everybody knows she's on what are you talking about anyways kamala was over there vp vp madam vp kamala harris was over there doing what she needed to do, talking to the people, telling them about how China's a threat and we all need to mobilize against. 
And she was going to go to Vietnam and she was scheduled to go to Vietnam around three or four, but her trip was delayed for a few hours because they, I guess, you know, sometimes they, most of the time they are going somewhere, they send over like a team first to just get stuff together and make sure like it's goody. But apparently there was an event. There's, there's something that they call it. It's like an anomalous health event or something like that, that they call it. But when they say that, they are usually talking about this thing that you maybe never heard of, but you probably have if you watch the news all the time like I do. It's called Havana syndrome. And that's because the first known cases of it occurred in Havana like years ago, I'd say like decades ago. And basically what happens is the person who's experiencing it will get kind of like vertigo, a headache. They like everything's moving. They feel physically ill. Like, and nobody really knows what it is or what it could be. The thought is that it might be like a targeted energy attack. But then another thought it might be is that it's like maybe a device in which a person like these people have electronics that have sensitive information. So if someone's trying to get like beam information from that electronic that's basically what happens like that's the person's reaction to that electronic beam or not i know this all sounds like a conspiracy theory but i promise you it's it's real um and like a lot of cia agents and stuff have dealt with it and the reason why it's getting a lot of traction these days is because the government is finally apparently paying attention to these people and actually like trying to listen to them and trying to figure out what it was because a lot of these people who felt these these symptoms, they're lingering. Like they've been dealing with them for years. Like basically the whatever occurred, they've been dealing with the long-term effects and side effects of it for some time now. So they're saying like, maybe we really do need to look into this and figure out what it is because it's like affecting our people and people are getting sick and they weren't able to get like disability and stuff like that. So I'm glad they're paying attention to it. But I think that's also because we're seeing more reports of it these days. Apparently, uh, not too long ago, there were some like close to D.C. So it's kind of scary to think about because it's like you never know. But then I also remember that I am not that important for anybody to be trying to steal anything from my phone. It's just like a whole lot of me Googling dog pictures and stuff. So I'm probably not a target, but for these people who have sensitive information, it's probably a very serious deal. So what they're thinking happened is that it was possible that somebody started experiencing the symptoms while they were in Vietnam and they told Vice President Kamala Harris to hold on a beat. Let us figure this out before we send you over here because clearly we don't want that happening to our vice president. So that's that. However, I think her trip went well. Once again, I didn't hear any snafus. I didn't follow it as close as I could have, but I didn't hear any snafus from it. So I'm going to assume, and that's probably going to be bad for me, but I'm going to assume that it went well. And um, she's back now because of my understanding that they were in the situation room yesterday or the day before. Uh, discussing things, of course, going on with Afghanistan because it's just really a big deal. Somebody laid out like a, a thread of everything this administration is dealing with right now. And 
I'm not saying they're doing a great job at them, but I, I'm saying that they're dealing with a lot of different things. And even though sometimes it feels like some of those things are on the back burner, it gives you a perspective into like, okay, this is what the administration is dealing with. It's a lot. It's some things they can deal with a little better, in my opinion. But I still feel like it's going better than the last administration. That's me. That's my personal opinion. You don't have to agree. That's fine. Anyways, the last thing I'm going to talk about is just something that has baffled me for days. Days. I might have mentioned it on here. Um, and I've wanted to talk about it a little in depth because I just can't even understand. The killing of Ashley Babbitt. I mean, the Republicans are latching on to her death as if she was Martin Luther the King. I don't understand. I don't understand, especially when there's video. There's video of her trespassing at the Capitol, breaking down a window to which the officer says, stop, retreat. And somebody yells to her, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. And she neither stops nor retreats. And she gets shot. Now, once again, I don't take any solace or comfort in the fact that somebody was killed and had to be killed by a police officer that day. But ain't this what y'all tell us all the time? Comply? Ain't that what y'all say? She should have complied. You're breaking into... Honey, listen. You're breaking into the Capitol that has the number two and number three in succession to the president, but also Congress people. All of them. The Senate and the House. And you thought... It was okay to keep going when that man told you to stop. And when somebody told you he had a gun, that don't seem smart. That does not seem smart at all. At all. And it's literally the fact that Fox News, the former president, I feel like Kevin McCarthy has gotten into it, Jim Jones. Jim Jordan, sorry, Jim Jones. Jim Jordan has gotten in on it. Like, all of these people trying to rewrite history. Like, this woman was a innocent patriot, and she's a martyr. I mean, maybe to their cause, maybe to their lives and, and whatever. But, no, this woman was a trespasser. And I'd say a terrorist who was breaking into the Capitol, where our Congress was. And to be fair now, the Congress were feet away. Like some, some congressmen and women were feet away. That was the, the seriousness of the situation and why a gun was drawn in the first place. And very likely why she got shot. So, for a long time, all of these same people I mentioned previously are like, who's the officer? Why is he a secret? And, you know, what about him? And why is he not being held accountable? And he's a murderer. 
and all of this stuff. And then finally, so he had been like preliminarily cleared of all of that. Like he was, they were like, listen, you did what you had to do. Like, we're not going to charge you. But then this week it came out that he was officially cleared of everything. He wasn't charged or anything, but officially they were like, this is case closed. You did what you had to do. It's all good. Because there's video, there's video of everything that happened. So it's like, it's not hard to figure. They'd be like, well, what happened to Ashley Babbitt? Who shot her? Why? It's like all in the video. All over social media. If I've seen it, and I've seen that lady get shot multiple times. And it's not something I, you know, would normally like to watch. But I've seen it quite a few times. And I feel like all the questions that you have asked have been answered from the video. She's in the Capitol. She's trying to break through some doors that are barricaded. She's literally up in the window trying to climb through. And she's been warned, not only by the police officer, but by a person who's there who sees he has a gun. And she doesn't listen and she continues to go forth. And she got shot. And that's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. But it, it's what happened. It's, it's just what happened. So now that he's been officially cleared, the officer has come out and has revealed himself. And he is Officer Michael Bird. I feel like that wasn't a secret. I feel like I had already known his name a while back. But I, I don't know how everybody else had not called that. But it's not like the man was hiding. He wasn't in witness protection. Like, <laughs> I don't get The Republicans are wild. They are crazy. So it's not like this man was even like in hiding he was just he's been continuing to do what he does and so he came out and he did an interview and he basically was like yeah i did what i did and i don't regret it because i saved countless lives and he's very right and i believe him to be right because i've already told y'all i think on the first episode and probably subsequent episodes after that that i feel like those people would have killed whoever in Congress they could have gotten to because a lot of those people are anti-government in general. Like it's not about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. Some of those people don't care for any of them. I feel like no matter what side a congressman or woman would have been on, they could have gotten hurt. And I still stand beside that. So to know that this man has on the other side of him, to his left and behind members of Congress right there and a threat to his left that is not holding off, that is steadily approaching. He did what he had to do. And I really hate to have to be the one to say that, honestly, because I hate to have to be like, oh yeah, the cops shot another person and that's what they had to do. But at this point, it's like, since this is what y'all tell us they have to do, I'm inclined to have to agree this time. He had the people he had to protect. He had a threat. He did what he had to do. And it's, oh my God, why, why was he allowed to murder her? And she didn't deserve it and all that stuff. But it's like she unfortunately had to be made an example of because once she got shot, them other people were like, hmm, maybe this is not what we want to do at this moment. So, listen, all the best to Michael Bird. I, 
I know that's not what he wanted to have to do on that day. He probably just wanted to do his job, chit-chat, you know, get a little kiki in with his co-workers, but, you know, straight face when it's about business. He probably just wanted to just live his regular life, and now he even had to kill somebody. Like, I don't take that lightly at all. He had to kill somebody because they weren't going to comply, and they were going to make way for a dangerous mob to come through and do exactly what she was doing, exactly what she had did, and hurt people. So she had to go for the sake of saving others. Ain't that what y'all tell us sometimes? Ain't that what y'all said? When the young girl got shocked, she had a knife? Oh, it was to kill the other girl because she was going to stab her. Well, then that's how I feel in this case. If I'm using y'all's logic, that's, how, that's just how I feel in this case, so... Honestly, my condolences to uh, Ashley Babbitt's family. I see Fox News had her husband on the other night. My condolences to them people, but maybe they should have sat her down and had a talk with her and said, girl, there are better things you can do with your time. Or like, maybe if you go to the Capitol, don't get caught up in that foolishness because who you never know what's going to happen to you. I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe they should have did something. Ain't that what y'all say to us? The parents should have did better or, you know, who was looking out for the child? The child was misguided, you know, and that's what y'all say to us. So that's how I feel. Maybe the family should have sat her down and told her to do better. I don't know, but unfortunately, she's no longer here today. And unfortunately, Michael Bird has to sit with the fact that he had to do what he had to do, but he's not a murderer. I don't, I don't believe he's a murderer. I believe Ashley Babbitt might have had the chance to be, but I, I, that's all I got. So I just wanted to I just wanted to put that out there because I some of y'all might not have even heard that, but that is definitely something they're trying to use. Uh they're they're grasping at straws at this point. Anything to make Joe Biden unpopular. And there's a, there's literally literally there are enough things that you can use to make Joe Biden look popular. He's not gaining any brownie points with this whole Afghanistan thing and how it went down. Uh but some of this stuff is ridiculous. At this point, it's just just really ridiculous that we even have to deal with this. It's ridiculous that Peter Ducey has to get up and ask these ridiculous questions at the press conferences. It's ridiculous that somebody told me that they mentioned the dogs at the press conference. like, And that the reports of his biting people were underreported. I don't care about that dog. I'm being honest with y'all. What are you talking about? We do not care. How many people, how many staffers the dog has bitten? That's not my concern at all. If the staffers aren't making a fuss and haven't said, I refuse to work because this dog is crazy, like, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Why would you bring that up right now? With all we got going on right now, right now, you want to bring up the dog? I'm hoping maybe it was lighthearted. Maybe it was something to give everybody a jokey joke on a Friday after it's been a long couple of weeks, but let's not and and let's say we didn't let's not and let's say we didn't so thank you guys once again for listening to the pod you know where you can find me but in case you don't i'm gonna say it again i'm on facebook d-i-d-j-a hear the news where i do weekday updates and i'm also on ig same name you can find me there 
reach out to me. Talk to me. How do you feel? Do you think I'm completely wrong? Do you agree with some of the things I said, but you think a little different? Sure. I can take that. Don't be calling me bad names, though, because that's not nice. Anyways, thank y'all, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.